Welcome everybody to episode 7 of season 3 of our Poiro podcast. Uh, you would have heard Anand's pre-recorded uh, canned welcome. But today we have a special guest filling in for Anand today. Welcome Anil Karat, co-founder and chief architect at Voiro. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, Kavita. How are you? Good, good. On this fine Friday morning, I have um, a lot of interesting things I want to ask you about. One, because you're far more technical than I or Anand. So the conversation can go a little deeper to, to make sense to uh, people who are listening from a technical perspective. Also, you're, you are uh, really great at simplifying complicated technology, in my opinion, in my opinion. So you can take it as a compliment. And the last time you came, we spoke about uh, YouTube, if you remember. Yeah. And uh, for everybody who's listening, Anil uh, is famously distracted. So in order to reduce his distraction, he went and bought himself a smaller screen. <laughs> yes. So last year or year before last, we, um, we all went back to office and Anil walks in with this bright red Apple candy bar. It wasn't the latest model or anything of that sort. It's an SC, iPhone SC. Yeah. And we were like, what's happening? What happened to the whole Android experience? Or at least, you know, why didn't you sort of level up with the whole Apple experience? He's like, no, I'm really distracted with my phone. So I decided to get a really small phone so that I'm not as distracted. Did it work? Yeah, it definitely did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you like it? Are you going to change it? No. I actually really like the phone for two reasons. One is that um, it has a smaller battery life. So for me to uh, make it last the day, I have to use it less. And uh, it has a physical button. On the it's not, it's not a button. It's actually not a physical button, but Apple's Taptic engine is so nice that it feels like a physical button, and you can press it once in a while if you want to fidget. <laughs> so uh, I like it. Excellent. There's some hacks for people who wanna wanna have some productivity in their day as well as have um, a phone. All right. So today we're gonna touch upon three topics. We have uh, self-service as a as a hot topic amongst all broadcasters. We're bringing it out. We have Generative AI and its application in media and entertainment. And the last is, how do you, Anil, discover all of these cool new sites that none of us in this new in this room, I mean, Santosh did hear about it, but neither me and Lena ever heard about this particular um, uh, video channel. And I wanted to sort of compare and contrast the various types of uh, channels that exist um, in the market today, which compete with YouTube, right? So on the first topic, which is self-service, uh, NBC uh, is targeting uh, SMB revenues from their self-service ad platform. Now, NBC has these developer forums that they have every year. And this year, they unveiled their plans to roll out a self-service platform in collaboration with a bunch of other technology providers. And what they intend to do is they intend to bring um, SMB advertisers to TV land. Uh, this this kind of inventory was famously unavailable and inaccessible to smaller brands. What are your thoughts on self-service as a whole? Um, see, everyone is used to, um, the people, especially the smaller guys, right? They're all used to logging onto a website, putting in some details and just get the job started. Uh, the whole enterprise kind of working wherein you approach an agency, uh, spend a lot of time back and forth planning your campaigns. That's not something smaller businesses are used to. They want, they, they're more used to like the Google way of working, just log into a website and get it done. So I think to attract smaller businesses, you have to have something that people have control over rather than call someone up and get it done. So, so 
in, if if I were a small business and I want to get my ads, I would like a portal where I can go in and I I have control over when I can download the reports and I want data to be updated immediately. I don't want to wait for a week or or, or the end of the month for a report. I want I want that immediately. I want to know how my campaigns are doing, and that can only be accomplished with a self service portal. So I can and and also the setting up of the campaign itself, like uh, what are the targeting parameters available, uh, and I want clear pricing. I don't want negotiation back and forth, uh, you know, pulling a favor, that kind of stuff. It's just uh, this is the price, this is the discount, um, these are the targeting options, and uh, get my campaign started. So I think self serve portals can achieve that. So yeah. and they are part of a larger mix right and when whenever you read all of this news on how people are accessing various types of inventory or different types of audiences in terms of buying audiences as well it has to be taken in conjunction to the larger picture it's adding to their uh, wheel of how they are accessing various kinds of demands it's not like uh, it's not like self service is going to replace direct sales or neither is going to neither should it cannibalize direct sales it it is for a type of audience like you rightly described wants to be able to access this inventory on their own terms in the way they have been used to accessing digital inventory and what's interesting about this is a large company like nbc is actually moving ahead and and uh, sort of making sure that they are the first movers on this path what do you think are going to be some of the repercussions uh, in the industry at large given the fact that um you know given the fact that you're getting all of these smb advertisers onto a broadcast stream i'm sure that there are some technology um, impacts on how these streams are either delivered and i know at ipl we delivered i mean uh, star delivered several different languages right is there something that uh, we'll end up seeing in the broadcast space as well from a from a connected tv perspective because it's coming through internet pipes where everybody sees a different stream and then you have different types of ads on it uh what kind of development do you think that is going to come about because of newer buyers of this inventory coming on board yeah so yes so if you think about s- small businesses right uh, i would imagine that their reach would be i mean their intended reach would itself be smaller so they wouldn't want um, i mean showing a small business ad to maybe like the whole country or half multiple countries is probably a waste of money mm-hmm. so they would want more control over where the ad is shown and the more controls that you can offer the more businesses that you can uh, attract and i think that's exactly what uh, hotstar did because uh, they had a considerable chunk of money coming from smbs and uh, it was a it was a very uh, deliberate effort on their side to get those smbs and uh, it's part of the reason why they were able to clock in that kind of revenue for ipl and and they had lot of uh, different cohorts they they were they were targeting states they were targeting languages they were targeting age groups and this is not done for live sports earlier and that's how they were able to target uh, get in so many smbs and i think that's uh, going to be the same with broadcast also because in broadcast we are generally used to seeing like you know fmcg ads or uh, things which are like just always uh, it's applicable for the entire uh, spectrum of audiences not for specific audiences so to attract smbs you will have to be a little more specific in your targeting and i think um, i think broadcast already has the capability to do that so so it's going to happen it's they have to do it to attract the small smaller companies and you cannot you cannot uh, bring down your prices unless you are able to do that right yeah. you, you won't be able to attract them so yeah the other the other uh, fear i feel we've been talking to a lot of people this is planning season in india right we end our financial year march 31st so the run up to march 31st is usually closing books figuring out what we're going to do the next financial year and 
we're generally meeting a lot of partners and people are in that um, uh, brain space to actually have these blue sky conversations on what next, what next in the next two years, three years, etc. So we've been having some interesting conversations with people who either service the CTV industry or broadcast industry or set-top box industry or are part of this industry. I think the biggest fear for everybody going digital is um, is is lower lower costs. Because famously, TV spots are on an average spot rate and they're usually in thousands of dollars or lakhs of rupees for those 10 seconds uh, of airtime. And now today, if you compare it to any digital CPM, Right? CPMs don't go in thousands and lakhs. They go in a few hundreds of dollars at max. And a few tens of thousands of uh, dollars uh, rupees in India. So what do you think is going to be the impact of, of uh, digitization of broadcast? Do you think that they're going to lose money? Are they go is, is, it, is it a real fear? Is it something that they can claw back? Or are the days of having like like these amazing legendary deals gone? Uh, see, I think my view is if something is overpriced, it will get corrected over time. Uh, if you look at a good analogy will be the telecom industry, right? Uh, unit costs went down, but the overall revenue in the system drastically increased because uh, you're making the system more efficient and you're making the system uh, correct its price based on the actual demand and supply rather than, you know, monopolistic uh, uh, controls. So, so I feel the unit cost will go down, but because of all the digital tools that you have with you, like, you know, so many targeting uh, streams and uh, all that, you the number of the amount of money that's going to come in is going to increase. So everyone's going to make more money for sure. But yes, I think the unit cost will come down. The other, uh, the, the amount of inventory coming into the market, because the kind of content that's being generated and the number of channels that can be actually spawned uh, are so uh, so many. I was reading. I was, I was casually reading something where there's a there's a channel called Sling TV, and they're coming up with 250 channels. That's a lot of channels for just one aggregator. So there's going to be a lot of um, there are a lot, lot of problems to be solved in the discovery space, in content discovery space, and also content management, right? Which brings us to the next part, which is generative AI and how it's being used in media and entertainment. And there's a lot of um, existential crises that are happening at this point in time. And so in this, in preparation of this particular podcast and this particular topic, I went to try and read up a little bit on, other than just having my own opinion on what I have been reading in terms of news, with what Google and Microsoft and ChatGPT, etc. are doing and kind of occupying our uh, airwaves. I went and read up this uh, very nicely written article by uh, this person called Sid Rath, who uh, was the founder of a company called Athena's Owl. And it's a 2020 post, but it's still super relevant, very well researched about um, the various ways and various applications of generative AI in media and entertainment. And he lists a whole bunch of things from, you know, backend operations to um, deep fakes, to moderation, to uh, revival of old uh, uh, reels, old movies, and making sure that that AI, AI kind of uh, helps in that, helps that cause. What do you think is the place of generative AI in media and entertainment? And do you have any like, like favorites as something like struck you as something funny? Uh, see, generative AI is ultimately generating content, right? So I think I think the, the most exciting part of it will be in generating ads or generating media content, maybe at least short videos or something, scripts maybe. Uh, I, I, saw, I think I saw a video of one of, the, one of those skewed Ryan's 
I think Ryan Gosling or Ryan. Uh, one of the Ryan. Yeah, one of the Ryan. One they of the had, cute Ryan. Yeah, one of the cute Ryans had. Uh, I think they had uh, got an AI to write an ad for them, okay. for one of the brands that they endorse, um, and uh, done a good job. Was it funny? Yeah, yeah, it was funny actually. Yeah. So, so, so the thing is that uh, I, I was just telling you before the meeting also, right? Like I was, uh, if it, if you look at if you if you follow good content creators on YouTube. Uh, many of them now have switched to, apart from their subscription money, they also have sponsors. And it's, you know, it's a big challenge for them to like insert that sponsor somehow into their uh, content, uh, you know, very natively. And some of them do a good job, but they release videos every week. Uh, maybe AI can do that job for them. Like, okay, this is my content. This is what this product does. Insert this product in my uh, script. Uh, maybe that's an option like you can have the two content writers and AI as a third option and you can pick which is a better one yeah. um, AI does it, it can do the generative AI can really do a good job for these kind of things like write a job description uh, or write my resume take my take, take notes from my meeting like Lena and my meeting today I thought it was going to be on meet but it was in person but I logged in and there were two people there although Lena wasn't there at that meeting and it was a, a note taker AI app so I was I was actually giving it its due, saying, okay, I'm going to be here because this note taker is here at this moment. And then, of course, Nina walked into the room and I was like, oh, thank God, I don't have to be on this, on this meeting. Yeah, so I think it, it, it'll, it'll definitely, it's going to come into our lives. Uh, it'll definitely get its shot, for sure. Uh, so are our kids going to be dumb? Is that what it is? No, I think it, they'll just, they'll be better because they'll, they'll learn how to use this tool and make themselves better, right? It's, it's like how... Uh, 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 we all have Excel and calculator apps. We, it's made us better. It's not made us dumber, I guess. Uh, I agree. So it's the same way. Like there are a lot of things like note taking. I think note taking is something. Um, uh, no matter how many humans do it, we'll always miss out on something. Yeah, and you're always irritated that you're the note taker for the yeah. meeting. You're like, do I take notes? Or do I take this meeting? Is anybody else? So taking even yesterday the notes? we had this meeting. I I, I took down notes. Uh, Jitin also took down notes. But there were like one or two points which I missed. Right for whatever reason, uh, so AI would not have missed that, and I think uh, that's the that's the whole thing about uh, AI. It'll do a better job than you, and it's not a job that humans need to do. I feel like you know, note taking has to happen, and it's not something that uh, uh, okay if a human does it well and good, but AI will do a better job, so a human can stop doing that, right? Yeah, and as human beings, you can actually lean into what actually makes us human, yes. right? Making sure yes. that we're getting that connection, looking at things that are. Uh, that we're leaning into on an intuition basis, and yeah. even the sponsorship thing I was talking about. Like, yeah, you build the content. Yeah. Now, if you want, uh, if you want a sponsor, let the AI do the job of inserting the content for you about the sponsor. Agreed. So, in this article, he writes about uh, yeah. does generative AI make us less than an algorithm? And he takes an example of uh, how, when photography was invented, and everybody moved from art to photography, it moved from merely copying things to expression. Right, expression of self, and that's that's and gave birth to a whole bunch of movements like cubism and, and and stuff like that. But the point is that what he the point he makes that is that it makes creativity easy, and I think there are so many examples of that in the last maybe five years, which in which technology has made creativity easy. The most um, the most liked example has been TikTok, where people follow trends and. People do creative things with it, or even um, Twitch and live streaming, right? Where you live stream and teach people skills. I only, I, I thought Twitch was only about gaming, but there are a whole bunch of live channels in which you are actually able to learn skills from people, and they're able to reach niche audiences 
at scale which is such a is such a paradox right how do you reach niche audiences at scale by doing stuff like this and find your tribe so to speak in this connected world yeah, cgi is the best example of that right because uh, if you look at um, if you look at the movies that were made in the 70s or 80s i think a lot of creativity was curtailed because of the the i mean of course you can you can uh, uh, you can quote george lucas where he said that uh, he couldn't make the prequels because the technology wasn't good enough to make the yeah. the graphics required for his imagination so uh, tools will always will, will are going to like help you help your creativity it's not someone to you know, uh, replace it yeah someone replace yeah, yeah. Someone. which is what is exciting about generative ai as well right it's not going to it's going to push us as an entire race to be better at what we do and give us more time to lean into what makes us truly human that aspect of creativity and looking at what has and writing about things that have never happened before and i think ai will look at what has already happened and come up with with uh, predictions on what could happen based on what has already happened and really not do a you know a right shift to something that could be unimaginable because it had not yet been imagined which is the exciting part about um, uh, generative ai now speaking of like discovering new things and like pushing the bar on um, you know various types of content you famously are the person in office who comes and introduces us to things where i never thought that either come from you number one and i'm not like i'm not being ageist or anything i just think that you and i have the same influences but clearly not and uh, you kind of introduce us to new things so i always thought there were two you know video uh, platforms where i could actually go and access videos from uh, which was a competition to youtube one is obviously youtube and then there was vimeo but you you spoke about something new called nebula what is it yeah so so basically what has happened over the years is that um see there are content creators who who produce really good content and um i think over time what has happened is while youtube has given them i think in the last uh, last time i was on this podcast i have said that youtube youtube is the best place for long form content uh, and there's no other place where people can go but the thing is uh, the youtube's revenue model and the algorithm that <coughs> that pops their uh, uh, videos up uh, yeah videos up is heavily based on subscription count it's based on um, it's based on the number of short videos you can you can bring out and many other factors which kind of irritates uh, long form content producers because they don't want to be spending their time asking for people to subscribe asking for people to click that's what happens right like they just say uh, if you don't if you don't get x number of subscribers you 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 will start showing up lower in searches and recommendations uh and i think the uh, also the the amount of money that is shared is also a lot lesser than what others can offer um and content producers are very serious these days they have a whole team they have studios they have a lot of expenses uh and they make they they make a lot of serious money for youtube um youtube on the other hand is again heavily reliant on ad revenue the subscriber revenue seems very less to me at least in india uh so so what has happened is that there are other platforms where people um, get the they are attracted to for uh, better revenue sharing as well as more suited for premium content um see youtube over the years has started to look they're trying to like catch up with the market or they're trying to look more young or something and it, it they're not they're neither neither here nor there in terms of how it is like which market they're catering to but there are if you want a serious documentary right uh, there are there's a there's this platform called curiosity stream there is this platform called nebula wherein uh, serious content creators gen- nowadays what they're trying to do is they're trying to get these guys to 
upload their videos first over there. So it'll come up first on Curiosity Stream or Nebula, and then like maybe a week or two later, it'll come up on YouTube. So for the people who consume premium, well-made content, um, this is like a. Uh, it's actually cheaper also, by the way, in terms of subscription. Uh, How much is it? Uh, I think this char- they charge like five dollars a month, or I think I think Curiosity Stream charges like twenty-five, thirty dollars a year. I'm not sure, but it's a lot cheaper than YouTube, and there are no ads, and uh, you get to interact with these uh, creators better. You can also donate to them directly. Uh, I mean, there are of course other platforms for that, like Patreon and all that. But it it makes the whole content creator and uh, consumer uh, relationship much better, and they have better the 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 uh, at least interface is not that crowded, so it, it makes it makes for better viewing. Again, uh, niche audiences. This niche audiences. So I don't know the market size. Like, see, that's the other thing, right? Like for us. uh if you are if you are um, I, i'm a big fan of long form content like i watch the the people i consume generally i i i stick to my subs, uh, subscribed uh, content creators i don't i don't like see too many of the other things unless i'm really bored so 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 for my regular viewing i have a subscribed content for them these uh, these platforms seem to be better because uh, first of all they come uh, they come uh, i get a sneak peek first up and then it it's, i don't have to see anything else i don't have to Uh, see a short video. How do you discover this stuff? Like, where do you where, do they? They just come into your email. No, you it like... comes from YouTube itself. So these guys, <laughs> <laughs> so these guys have uh, these guys keep saying subscribe and also you know watch me on Nebula, watch me on YouTube, watch me on say Curiosity Stream for like uh, more content. Right. So they'll release like one video here and two more videos on Nebula, Nebula or, on Curiosity or, or, Stream. Curiosity Stream. So you can go and watch more videos there of the right. same guy. So uh, so YouTube is a town square, and then yes. you can sort of yes. uh branch off into smaller quadrants where you can meet like-minded people who are actually watching this kind of stuff is there any kind of interaction on this platform are there comments and uh, yeah. uh, so because there's less crowded you can you can you can interact with them better that's that's the only uh, what kind of content do you watch on this stuff uh i mean see uh, i've ended up becoming uh, part of this filter bubble where i see uh, <laughs> like Johnny Harris or uh, something things related to world uh, world current affairs and there is this whole uh, uh, true crime drama situation and uh, I think lastly is about cars so these are the three filter bubbles I am part of so that's cool yeah that's cool i mean i mean in this in itself is is great for somebody to be able to target you to create more content yes. and that kind of ties back into how generative ai can be used through the mundane as well to be able to tag the right kind of metadata identifiers uh, make sure that it travels across um, various platforms so for example if you were a content creator and you were actually creating a piece of uh, you know a series and you wanted to make sure that you are measuring viewability across various types of platforms for different types of audiences for you to be able to, for that particular stream to be able to carry the same metadata and identifiers that tie back to the platform is very important this kind of work was originally done by human beings i mean there would be a whole host of um, like uh, keywords or uh, buckets of keywords that you could actually put into the video that you were uploading but there's a lot of there's a lot to say about uh, new ways of searching new words new ways of identifying new categories new cat categories being formed and therefore that metadata also being updated where i think automation and therefore ai uh, in progression is hugely applicable to this mundane job uh, as well so yeah so um that brings us to the end of uh, today's podcast it was 
fun talking to you as always, Anil, because, you know, you've brought a more tech flavor to what we've spoken about. I know you're like squinching saying. Yeah, it's uh, not very tech. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. We're not like gassing about anything at this point in time. It's all very well researched and and uh, it's all very well put together. But thank you so much. And thank you everybody else in this room for making this happen today. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode. And please make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our newsletter on Substack. Links to everything we discuss can be found in the episode description in our newsletter. See you next time.